2: Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're looking for a betting Edges
3: college bowl season? The Vsin experts have got you covered. Become a Vsin Pro subscriber with an intro offer of 9.99. Get the daily recap of every play, every host, every guest, the betting splits, the college bowl betting guide, limited time offer, nine ninety nine. Become part of the team, vsan.com subscribe.
0: College football here, super stoked for the weekend. It begins tonight, and longtime Las Vegas odds maker Nick Bogdanovich now with Circus Sports, kind enough to join us in studio here early on
4: a Friday morning. It's good to see you again. How are you? Great. Doing great. Everything's good, and uh, yeah, Listen, it, f- f- this time of season is the best because you got college basketball, college football is wrapping up, and obviously NFL is king. So what's not to like? Mm-hmm. So
0: are you surprised? I mean, at this time of year, the numbers are usually going to be rock solid. Uh, and I think what you guys opened up, Texas, 11-and-a-half against Oklahoma State. Are you surprised that you couldn't find, like, any buyback until it reached 16, I think, yesterday?
4: Yeah, I took 16. Uh, obviously... Oak State laid an egg in a, in a must-win game against the worst team in the Big 12 BYU. I mean, you can't be down three scores on your on your home court and have to rally to beat BYU when all you got to do is win the game and get in. And obviously, Texas put together their two best games of the season. They went at Iowa State, good win, and then they absolutely trampled Texas Tech. And Ewers looked good. I, th- I, th- I think Ewers is fresh coming off that injury break, and he's playing his best ball. And they've hit the reset, but I do know Texas looks pretty good. Obviously, the public is going to bet what they saw last, and what they saw last was Oklahoma stinking it up, and Texas yeah. looked like the best team in the country. So it didn't shock me it went up. It, it did shock me it went as high as 16. I thought it might get to 14, but, yeah, 16 was uncharted territory. I had to take it. Yeah. You, ha-
3: you have to. I mean, Gundy's been great as a dog, and not to mention they were great against Texas Tech, but Texas was struggling and blowing big leads for about a month straight there.
4: Yeah, no, that's been Texas's mo for quite a while now. So we'll see. I mean, right now they they look like the real deal. Uh, I got him in the hunt with those other teams. So it, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out this right. weekend.
3: And the style points angle. Maybe you concerned about that? Maybe. Uh, maybe they're up fourteen. Stick another one in there.
4: They're you know the what? early game.
3: Everyone's you know, watching.
4: It's funny. You try to think how coaches think, but they do the damnedest thing you've ever <laughs> seen. So you you basically give up on that. Yeah. I mean, you every weekend experienced gamblers say, did they just do that? And the, the play calling in some of these games is mind-boggling at the end of a game and the strategy they employ. Well, look at last night's uh, NFL game. We talked
0: about this in the first segment today. It's third and three for the Cowboys. Just run the football. Seattle has no timeouts. McCarthy goes out there and said, no, I'm going to pass the ball. Like there's no rhyme or reason for that whatsoever. So you finally got some buyback on, and I thought the style points, Paulie, it's a good point, right? I thought people might've been bet, trying to bet Texas because they need to impress. Everyone will be watching. Maybe one more time. Exactly.
4: Right. Mm -hmm. Have you, are you getting any nibbles on the Huskies plus 10? Yeah. A couple sharps jumped in at 10, but I think if they would have waited, they'd have gotten more. So sometimes they, Oh, wow. I only made it seven. Uh, but that being said, I'm not taking 10. I'm not taking 10 and a half. I'm not taking 13. What? I am I don't want anything to do with the Huskies in this Why? game. Why? Oregon is th- that good? Or you- I think it's just a combination of two teams going in different directions, and I think Oregon will take care of business, and I don't want to hope to get there. Even though I only made a seven, my power ratings are what they are. I just uh, I think Oregon wins the game. And yeah, I, I, I'm just, I just don't want anything to do with the Huskies in yeah. this game. Yeah, okay.
0: Was that kind of a consensus number? Because it opened what here? Seven and a half.
4: I think we opened eight. Eight. Okay. Yeah, we did open eight, and we got, and and got to ten. That's where we are now. So. so,
0: what can you like? What was the back and forth between you and everybody else here at Circo, like deciding to go with eight, and then if you were going to take bets right away? Because what you said is. Is the conversation like, look, I make it seven, but I'm not taking 13 here. So then if we take one big bet on eight, we got to just move it immediately.
4: Uh, there wasn't really a conversation. I send Connor, How he, he, he runs the, he's in charge of ultimately putting up the football number. I'll send him my number. Richie will send him a number. And then he's got his number in and in a, in a couple other sources. And then he'll decide. But uh, yeah, I did. listen, like, like I said three minutes ago, people always bet what they saw last and what they saw last with Washington is last, 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 last. Six weeks of mediocre football, and Oregon's a freight train out of control. Mm-hmm. So, yep. you know, the, the job he's done up there in Seattle is nothing short of amazing. Penix is a hell of a player, obviously, in the Heisman mix. But Oregon's just on a different level right now.
3: Okay, what'd you do with Florida State. Because now there's reports that Rodemacher, as a concussion, it's down to one in some spot. Now, that's
4: internet conjecture. Okay. I didn't hear I, that I don't know, part. But, it, but it's down to one now. It was open six and a half. I made a pick. Oh, you did? Oh, you did. Yeah, Louisville and Florida State. But I've had Florida State probably a little lower than most and, and Louisville higher than most. Matt Eumann's got me on the Louisville train early. Huh? I made the game dead pick him. So I thought the number opened a little high. And obviously the Sharps have beaten it to pulp, so... Took four all the way down to where it is now. Uh, It is an interesting story. I want to see Florida State win in the worst way, just so that committee has to sweat a little. (laughs) You know, Uh inevitably, well, the college football committee, usually it's a pretty easy choice. It's the NCAA basketball committee that always screws it up. But I want to see them sweat a little and make their job a little more difficult.
0: It's a no-brainer to you, then, I'm guessing, based on what you just said, that there's no way, no-how you would consider
4: Florida State. Well, that's two different conversations power rating wise. Yeah. I have nowhere near the hunt, but I'm not one of those who, who want to penalize 59 other guys on that team who did everything they could and got and their quarterback came out, came up short. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's a tough call. That's why if there was just eight teams, I've always said eight is the perfect number. Yeah. There wouldn't be a, an issue here. They'd get in and away we go. Whereas here you got to make some hard decisions and I, I hate penalizing Kids who have worked four years, gone undefeated, and they, they say, Oh yeah, you gotta sit this one out. I, I, I that one that one bothers me. But from a pure power power number, yeah, they'd be out. Okay.
3: What would you make Georgia Florida State then?
4: Georgia, Florida State, I'd have Georgia twelve. I'd have Georgia twelve, Oregon twelve over Florida State, and Michigan like eleven. I got I got those three real close and is, separated. Is
3: Oregon favored against Michigan?
4: I got Oregon favored against Michigan.
3: So does Chris Andrews. And then okay. you, you're basically saying that you would have
0: Georgia and Oregon to pick them.
4: Yeah. I'd love to see that as a final game. So that'd that would be, great. be, a, that'd
0: be a great. That'd be game. great. That'd be great. Where do you think the bets would come immediately on that?
4: Well, obviously, it, it depends on what how, how they got it through in the semi games. But I think that one would be pretty even. Uh, I mean, Georgia, this isn't Georgia's best team of the last three or four years, that I can tell you. I mean, they're good. Obviously, they get every. Five-star recruit, and they got billion-dollar facilities, and every assistant coach down there makes two million a year. It's a factory now. It's so, but this team it just isn't as good as the last few episodes. And uh, yeah, any any time a game's around them, you're gonna see good two-way action.
3: What he said earlier, Mitch. What scenario is out there that the committee doesn't have to sweat? Florida State loses and Georgia wins.
0: That's a pretty good start. Or G- Oregon in a yeah.
3: blowout. I mean, that I was.
0: Well, uh, I, I, well Pac-12 winner either way, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. They're, yes. they're in. No Pac-12 sweat. Pac-12 winner is. Then in. you just take Michigan, Texas. Michigan, Georgia, and then it comes down to yeah. Florida State loses, then. And it's Texas. Probably Texas. Well, there's a yeah, because Texas has to supersede Ohio State, right? Yeah,
4: hundred percent. I, I think that makes it their their easiest route for sure. Right. What if Texas loses early? Yeah, that makes it more interesting for sure. Uh, but obviously favorite probably won't happen no, but probably
0: not right
4: yeah it gets interesting I don't uh, you know and, and you just hope that it's all football based and not who's going to have the most eyes on the TV like we've seen so many times before oh, that uh, worries me yeah Paulie pointed
0: out earlier 10 minutes ago in the penultimate rankings for the committee no team sixth or lower has ever made it and he said that could really mean trouble for Alabama where do you have Alabama power rated
4: uh, I only made Georgia three over Alabama, so they're like three points behind the Georgia, Oregon, and Michigan group. Uh, so they're right there. They're right there. I mean, listen, they, they've done a good job finishing strong. The court, young quarterback has progressed, and it's still Staben. Uh So they're, they're obviously playing good football. Now, they, they got out of the trap last week somehow, some way, but uh, I think they're going to give Georgia all they want. I'm hoping that game gets to seven. I'll, I'd like to take seven with Bama. Any
0: chance that happens? Never know. You never really? know. Really? I, I don't doing think doing. so, but yeah.
3: you just never know. Well, 29 in a row, and what happened last week, I mean, that was pathetic. Yeah. Auburn had them the game, and it gashed them on the ground. Yeah. So I think you're right, prisoner of the moment. That, that Maybe that does happen, because the public said, look, you're cashing tickets all the time with Georgia. Yeah. I, I want to
0: know what the committee tells us if Alabama beats the number one team in the country. I want to know how big that win weighs for them.
4: If Alabama wins... It becomes a real mess regardless of anything else. I would agree with that, right? Because,
0: um, I mean, how do they not put in – I mean, we can sit here all day and say that there's no way, no how you can put him in over Texas and firmly believe that. Well, then you're going to have your controversy, but yeah, right, because never, they, never know.
3: played and I scored 34 on you. That's so. exa- yeah, right. That's I've, right.
4: I've always said the, SEC, the uh, committee would love to stick in an SEC team with four losses. I mean, they would love to do <laughs> that. They can't help themselves.
0: I will continue here on Follow the Money. It's v the Sports Betting Network, uh, Circus Sports Oddsmaker, uh, Nick Bogdanovich, longtime Las Vegas Oddsmaker, uh, remaining with us here in studio. I want to get your thoughts on Michigan-Iowa. Uh, Pat Forty basically said that Iowa might not cross midfield. I want to get your thoughts on their team total, uh, the spread in that game, and also some of the other title games that we have this weekend coming up here on v the Sports Betting Network.
1: If you dare.
3: Nick knows this. In the NBA, the game can change in an instant. No matter how the action unfolds, you know, DraftKings Sportsbook has your back. New customers get $150 instantly in bonus bets by betting $5 on NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code FOLLOW. The crown is yours at DraftKings.
0: Yeah, we continue here with uh, Circa Sports odds maker Nick Bogdanovich. Been in Las Vegas for a long, long time. Uh, Michigan and Iowa. Michigan, of course, laying more than three touchdowns here with a very small total in the uh, low to mid-30s here. Iowa going to score in this game? I know we've been laughing at their team total for a couple of weeks, uh, the potential of it. It's like seven and a half.
4: The the million-dollar question is, what do you do with Kirk Ferentz? I mean, he he wins 10 games, I guess you can't fire him, right? I mean, but it's the same stuff every year. I mean, they're life and death to get the 10 in every single game. <laughs> so I made the game only 21, but I, I, didn't, I didn't take 23 or 23 and a half. No, no interest in the game. Uh-huh. Probably won't even watch it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I really, no, the, the Big Ten West is, they yep. set football back 30 years. It's awful. Yeah. I mean, it really is. I mean, it... it, it Think about it. A championship game is 22 on a neutral. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, and this is this is the reason you get rid of divisions too. So I'm not a big well. fan of the divisions, oh, and I'm really not a big fan of super conferences. I re- what's going on with the Pac-12 and the landscape is is made an old old curmudgeon like me sick. Well, I mean, yeah. as a I mean, you've been a fan of the sport too for a long, long time. So that part of it gets ripped out of your soul, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, what happens? I mean, are we going to see Oregon-Oregon State rivalry, or because the, there's what do they give the finger to the Oregon and say hey you don't you you wanted to get away from us but there's no need to play you are we going to see Washington Washington State Stanford Cal I mean are we going to see any of these rivalry yes. games anymore The Apple
3: Cup will they did sign a deal Did they but so, yeah, I it, understand it, your point. I, Yeah
4: I mean I the West Coast should have a Super Conference and now they don't mm-hmm. now there is this prop available will Iowa score one touchdown in the game the And pro- what's the
0: price -125 on the yes
4: Yeah I just just got alone I would lay the quarter that they do. I mean, there's a good chance they're down 30, 30 points and it's slop time. So, uh, i listen. They're, they're, <laughs> they are a net, but just, they're still a ten win team. So, I, I think a quarter short that they get in the end zone. I'll right. answer
3: your question. You you have to move on from them. Now they got rid of the sun, who's going to be yeah. gone. But you have an all time great defense, and you can't. I will say they're they're one play away from being eleven and one though. But you saw what happened when they played a good team thirty one nothing. But you can't in today's football. You can't trot this crap out.
4: I just don't understand they how they can't get a different scheme or some different quarterback, different players over the course of fifteen years. You know what I'm saying? I'd spin this way forever, and I, obviously that's their program. Listen, we're gonna win with defense, special teams, not make mistakes, and it's gonna be a vanilla offense. But. Uh, to get over the hump, I think you have to you have to have a more dynamic offense. And but, by the hump, I mean obviously a national championship. Yeah. And I. But
0: here's the thing: will, will they look at it and say, if we move on from this guy, we might be the same program, but only win seven games? Do they want to take that chance? I can't imagine. Well. Well. Okay. Let's say let's go back to what you said about Washington. You would not take 13 against the Ducks. If they win this game, we're talking about like these big spreads against Florida State. Give me a number on Georgia Washington. Give me a number on Michigan Washington.
4: Well, that means, well, things would have changed because they beat Oregon. Yeah. So now, just off the top of my head, I'd have to make, I'd probably make Georgia probably seven over Washington. But that's coming off a great, great win. And, yeah. You'd so have to adjust the power rating, obviously. 100%. It'd be under a under big neutral. adjustment. But I just, I just can't see the scenario where it flips that much because it's been six games. That's half a season that they played that kind of football. So the coach is a genius. I've always I like Pennix at Indiana and the job he's done in Seattle is phenomenal and the local kid receiver's a stud. And you know, I don't I don't if I have to make the adjustment it won't make me sad. It's not like I'm an Oregon Duck fan or nothing. I'm just calling it the way I see it. But if Seattle if if Dub makes the finals, that'd be a great story. How long you been doing this? 27? Well, I got into business in '85 at the Sands. Okay. So, but I've been betting probably every day of my life since I was 21. I was, I came, back, I came back from college, yeah. uh, and I, you know, I was born and raised in Vegas. I came back from college in Idaho, and I just gravitated. You love it. It.
3: everything you do is about a number. It's like what we talked about before you came in, you took a bad beat. You, you go to lunch every day. There's a McDonald's across the street. There's no employee dining room with employees, and they're going to shut
4: down the McDonald's. Yeah, it's a bad so, beat. So, yeah, no. every analogy is sports betting related, or, you know, I, I eat, breathe, and drink it 24 7. So, you know, uh, that's a sick person. You gotta, you should probably be a little more well rounded than that. No, no, remember, <laughs> they, they ran into
3: you in Iowa. The guy had the whiskey and a
4: revolver shot. That's on. true. I mean, that's how, how sick do you got to be to bet
3: baseball. The yeah. beats. I mean, that, that's just how it is. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, so you're the perfect guy to ask. Um, LeBron James' manager, Maverick Carter, told federal agents two years ago he bet on NBA games through an illegal bookmaker. You used to run the Mandalay Bay book. We used to, they used to have huge boxing matches. Did you ever – how many times in your career – Have you have a scenario where well who who is this guy and it just doesn't make sense? Why is this guy betting? He shouldn't be betting. It doesn't add up. Can you take us through that in all your years doing this?
4: Well, it's totally different because the last since I went when I went to the Cal Neva in 2008, now it's what 2023. So the last 15 years, I have not been behind the counter, so I don't get to see the people. But you mingle with them like in William Hill. All all comes now is is a name. Okay. So I see a name come across, and, and that's all we got to go is by a name. Before, from 85 to 2006, I was behind the counter. I'd see who was making the bet. I'd talk to them, and I'd have a feel for what's going on out there. But, I'm, I'm, you know, listen, people bet on information, and that's, that'll never change. I mean, uh, whether it's a, a fighter, a UFC fighter, a tennis player. An agent or whatever—that's uh, that, always going to be out there. That, uh, that's uh-huh. just part of the game. Yeah.
3: Did you did you ever take? Was were you there when Lennox Lewis bet like three million on himself?
4: No, I wasn't. You know, and that—that's and that—that's a different story. I mean, if you want to bet yourself, I have zero problem yeah, with that. Right. But if you're betting against yourself, I also want to know that. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe even you know, more. I really so. want to uh, know that. Yeah. Right. How, how long did you run William Hill? Uh, since its inception from 2012 to 2021 have you ever heard about duffel bag boy again and where he went wound up no but i'm assuming somewhere at one point nevada was the only game in the in, you know, in, the, yes. in the business so now that new new york and new jersey are open back there i'm assuming somewhere back east He's, I from, he's
3: from Jersey, sorry. Yeah, no. He would come in with a duff, literally a duffel bag full of money. He'd leave it on a counter, walk away, go to the bathroom, like, what are you doing? And he would, he would bet like $200,000 parlays and take the worst of it. He'd lay 37, 40.
4: Yeah, no, when he first came out, I remember his first parlay he ever made. He, he laid 37, 36, and 38. So he <laughs> was definitely liking the chalk against Rutgers. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, he always bet against
0: Anti- Rutgers. Anti <laughs> Rutgers, big time. Um, yeah, but to Paulie's point, he would literally leave, leave the bag and go, like, shave in the bathroom. Hey, pal, there's $160,000 in your... Oh, okay, that's no problem. Thanks for...
4: Yeah, our good friend Jimmy Vaccaro would tell the story where they'd go to eat at lunch, and he'd be uh, he'd be going up to the buffet line to get some rice pudding, and the duffel bag would be laying there with all the money in it. So, you yeah, yeah, you yeah. should have a little more uh,
0: <laughs> awareness about where the cash is. Do you, th- you think uh, the manager for LeBron James might have some inside info on uh, games? Oh, uh, remember there was that story a couple
4: of years ago out here in Las Vegas, uh, Buccaneers, all of a sudden, somebody in the know. Yeah. I'm, I wanna... I'm assuming if he's his agent, he's just a pretty smart guy to begin with, so it'd be hard not to believe he wasn't aware of certain things.
3: He'd have incredible inside information. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. who's out who's not what, what's going on in a locker room chemistry no kidding someone's not someone's not feeling well you get the info before anybody so our you, guy here paul he has two two entries left in circuit
4: survivor who would you consider this week pretty impressive two out of what 80 yeah. it's a great Did, run do we know how many had was didn't to have the cowboys last night do we know that or was two, there, only two people had him available two people available I, okay. I imagine, whether they used him is another story yeah i got i you. would think you would but yeah sure Yeah, that's a good problem to have. Well, I'll tell you right now.
0: (laughs) Right.
3: Uh, You want to know? Yeah. Okay, one of them is going to be Pittsburgh.
4: Okay. You're going to say it on the air? Well, okay. Listen, uh, Pittsburgh is trending, obviously, in the right direction, and Arizona is really – they got absolutely housed last week against the Rams. Kyron Williams was running like O.J. Simpson. Um, Mm. Puka and, and Cup weren't even involved, and Stafford threw for four touchdowns. So they got ran over by the Rams. Obviously, they're playing you – would, you would think they're playing for a high, high pick and not no interest in winning. And, Should be.
3: Ertz, but, Ertz asked for his release. The line's only five and a half though, and nobody – Nobody loses more games as a big favorite than Tomlin to bad
4: teams. That's true. And we opened six and it was taken immediately by some pretty sharp people right. down to wow. five and a half. So right. but still at this point of the game you don't have a lot of options. Right. So uh, but Pittsburgh does what they do is win. They just have even with mediocre of mediocre teams, they do win. They have a culture of winning. Even though the Cardinals are coming to town, that'll be a sold-out place, and they'll, I think they'll get to the take care Great of it. Great to see you. Great to see you again. Thanks so much, Nick. We appreciate that.
3: Oh yeah, let's send a box. Ship it out to Stanford, Steve. Omaha Steaks. The holidays are here. Let Omaha Steaks take the guesswork out of gifting. Go to omahasteaks.com. Save 50% off site wide when you use promo code Visa at checkout. You also get an additional $30 off your order. Tender, juicy filet mignon, burgers, gourmet jumbo franks. Easy to prepare meals that are ready in a flash. A gift that will be remembered with every bite. Order with complete confidence today, OmahaSteaks.com, 50% off site-wide. Promo code VEASAN, VEASAN. Minimum order may be required. Go get it. You do a great job, man. Their steaks, their meat, fantastic. College football here.
0: Stanford, Steve joins the program from ESPN. He's in Atlanta for the SEC title game, which we'll get to coming up in a minute. But, of course, he is a Pac-12 guy. Went to Stanford, hence the name. Uh, We talked a lot about this game so far this week, Steve, and thanks for the time. We appreciate that. Is 10 simply too many here for the Ducks to be laying against the Huskies?
5: Well, there's a lot to factor in, Mitch, and guys, thanks again for having me. I appreciate it when our times can match up, knowing <laughs> my schedule and your guys' schedule. Uh, I'll send you guys my address for that Omaha delivery. Don't okay. worry about that. <laughs> but when we look at when we look at the Pac-12 game, you know, I was at that game and say, oh, Mitch, you were there. Yeah. I mean, just an incredible atmosphere. And the takeaway by I think 80% of the people were – Oregon's the better team. And I'm like, okay, well, they didn't win. And their coach made a couple of questionable decisions in this day and age of going for it, and it cost them. And then you look at the narrative and how it's gone after that on how Oregon's benefited from not playing, uh, I, I think, as tough a schedule as Washington. And then Washington absolutely get nicked up. Uh, there was a case of the flu after that game. I still don't – I'm dying to know if Penix. Is 100%. He doesn't look it to me. Uh-huh. Uh, when you watch the game last week, there's a guy walking up and down the sidelines with him. You watch the end of the game where they got two raincoats coming off, you know, covering him, getting him off the field, make sure nobody touches him, and they're rushing the field after they win the Apple Cup. But when you look at the matchup, Oregon's one. Not I should say this: the the not the strength of Oregon's defense is up front. That front seven is legit. They roll guys in. Lanning's done a great job of creating depth there. But that secondary could be had. And you saw that after yep. Lanning went for it yep. on fourth down. A Dunesay, Those guys, they are a matchup nightmare. And Oregon doesn't have the guys on the back end. So that, with the idea of Washington's defensive line getting better and better. Trice is an NFL player. You've seen him improve the last couple of weeks. He played his best ball against Oregon State and against Washington State. So I think the number's too big. Uh, I, I look at... Uh, Washington having another chance of Bo Nix. He's not going to throw the ball down the field. He's going to throw the ball to those guys in space and behind the line of scrimmage. Um, Oregon has, has improved every step of the way. Lanning's taken on that us against the world mentality. But I'll, I'll take Washington plus all those points
3: finally someone does it okay I was watching you earlier this week as you pointed out on TV on ESPN you have no not one person is picking Washington not right not one person and and, and the, <laughs> the, 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 the 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 resume
5: is unbelievable and people yeah. are ripping them yep yeah and and that's the scenario Paulie when I saw these rankings come out Halloween night the one undefeated that nobody accounted for because that's when everybody was already on this idea. That Oregon was going to run the table and beat Washington huh. was Washington running the table and taking that three, maybe two spot. and that's what another factor in the committee where I think they're they're asking for it because they want it as easy as possible, knowing the chaos that could be.
3: Right. How do you feel about this? I mean, you went to Stanford. You're going to the ACC, Pac-12 yep. uh, gone now. I mean, it just got. You just have to be furious at the changes now starting next year.
5: Well. Everybody, you know, in that office, when they were paying three million dollars rent, and everybody was hunky dory about everything's gonna be fine, and we'll settle the Pac-12 network deal, and everybody tell me all those things, I'm still looking for them because they, it, they didn't, it didn't work out too well, guys. And I hope you, I hope you enjoyed your your couches and your offices uh, in San Francisco because now you cost the conference, and that's what it is. It's just the start of bad leadership all the way at the beginning. With the network thing, not getting that right is an, was an absolute travesty. And you see the, the money that these schools are making and them not even getting a quarter of what they should have been getting. And I don't blame the schools, the Oregons, the Washington, the SCs and UCLA going out and get theirs. It was, it was incompetence from the management uptown. I thought Klyovkov stepped into an absolute unwinnable situation. Uh, and and it, I feel sorry for him, but it was the precedent was set before that. And it's just a shame uh, that we're not going to see it. It does sound like there's hope where we'll, we'll keep the Apple Cup, we'll keep the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, I'm fired up. we got big rivals now. Cal and Cal Stanford and SMU are yes. going to play each other every Huge. year. That's awesome.
0: Huge. Uh, Steve, <laughs> what do you make of the, uh, you know, we're, we're laughing all about Iowa and their team total and the total in the game overall and how many times they've stayed under in their game. So we put up a total of 25, doesn't matter. 13-10 final score. Uh, will they score? Uh, enough to keep this game close enough to cover the point spread and maybe go over the total?
5: I I, I, I go the other way, Mitch. I, I think that quarterback is in trouble. He is way too careless with the football when they're playing conservative football. And I heard somebody sit, make a good point. You know, Iowa in the last seven weeks or whatever it is, since they played Penn State, they could stay within their limits because those teams can't do it and their defense is good enough. To manipulate things against the opposing team's offense. They can't do that. They, they have to come out of their ways in this game. And I and I wonder, hey, maybe they do hit a play and they score. Uh, but I think that quarterback's up against it, and no one is talking. Like, I get it, it's championship weekend, but nobody's talking about Harbaugh coming back now. Like, he's back Saturday night. Like, you don't think there's going to be some energy? So I like the I know it's the I know it's the death of everybody uh the last you know six or eight weeks whatever it's been but i'm taking the over i think michigan can get there themselves yes uh but i i really do uh like the over in that big 10 game as bad as it sounds as bad as my picks have been in college game day uh i'm gonna go against the grain on that one
3: okay my friend uh, this is interesting it's down to one in some spots yeah is roddemaker gonna play i mean it looks like he, there's video take it away what do you think happens here
5: well, it it there was stuff started circulating last night when I'm on the air with with Vampel, and then you know we didn't get anything confirmed. Obviously, no one's going to give you anything uh, because of the, the 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 bigness of it, right? I mean, you go back if it's not Rodemaker, it's going to be a kid. I think it's Clark that's he threw four passes. He came in and actually threw a pass in that game against Florida, which I was yes. I was crazy about, uh, but. I, I, I liked Florida State with Rodemaker because I thought they worked a lot of things out in a brutal environment. I know Florida's not going to a bowl game, but the Swamp on a Saturday night is still a real place, and they dominated that game in the second half uh, and, and, and and really took it to them. And I thought Florida State's defense would be the difference in the game no matter what. So I, I, I it's a stay away for me. It really is. I don't know if it goes over or under, and my problem is is I was actually fired up because I have – Brahm and Norvell as two of the top six play callers uh-huh. in the sport, and you know Louisville's going to have every trick in the bag ready to go, trying to pull the upset and get that ACC title. But I mean, there's just too much unknown with that game.
3: Please, lose. Please get these guys out of here. <laughs> Third-string quarterback. What do you think's going to happen Sunday when it's all said and done, and what the committee's going to do? And you're the, the game that could screw everything up. That you're at. If Alabama beats Georgia, then it becomes a mess.
5: Well, you said it right there, Paulie. Like. If Florida State's going to win, say, 13-12 and, then, and, and Louisville misses a field goal to end the game and then Alabama meets, beats Georgia 31-30, are we really going to put Florida State in the playoff over Georgia? Is that is that really going to happen? That, that's the one idea I have that in my mind that's starting to set in. Yeah. Is Are we really going to see? I mean, Rodemaker will be back for the playoff, but still. I mean, you guys have been all over it all week. The book's... They have Florida State double-digit underdogs to, to I think the top three teams yeah. uh, with Rodemaker. So I just I hope we get the four best. I really do. Uh, being with Herbie all you know all year, all he's wanted to do is call a semifinal where he feels like both teams could win. Yes. Got one last year <laughs> with Ohio State and Georgia. Uh, so that that's what we want. We want two great semifinal. We got him on New Year's Day. We got the Rose Bowl. We got the Sugar Bowl. Let's get the four best. Well, what
0: happens in the SEC title game where you're at?
5: I think Bama has the goods, Mitch. I really do. Uh, I look at Milroe and that balance of offense. I, mean, I said it after I saw Georgia in person at Ole Miss. Their offense is better than their defense for the first time in a long time. And that's why I think Alabama has a chance because Alabama's defense is real. But they'll be put to the test. Carson Beck will be ready. Wow. Are you expecting points in that game or no? You know that's a good point. at the, At the beginning of the week, I, I was looking at Georgia Bowers in play against Georgia Tech. Uh, you know, we I, I think the world of that kid. Uh, and then you know, Ladd McConkie's the guy who I I think you know Georgia when they had him against Ole Miss and Tennessee, Georgia converted like seventy two percent of third downs. Like that's unheard of. And and on the road in Knoxville, um. So I, I the, the the injuries are big to me in there. But uh, if you like the over, I I cannot argue with you. Knowing that both offenses are capable.
0: All right, pal. Uh, we love chatting with you. Enjoy the game where you're at and the entire weekend. Good luck as well. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it.
5: You got it. A minus.
0: Okay. Calling your shot. I'll go along with that. <laughs> and for Steve grading himself now. Okay. Uh, we'll get into the we'll get into the Sunday schedule coming up next. But something I really he brought it up there. I want you to watch tonight. You need to pay attention to this in the Pac-12 title game.
1: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
3: You always follow the, follow the money. That's what I always say. You always follow yeah, the money.
6: Yeah. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on VSIN.
0: Welcome in. It is Follow the Money here on v the Sports Betting Network. This show is presented by DraftKings every Friday at this time. Uh, It's a great half an hour, in my opinion. Adam Chernoff joins the program. Excellent NFL mind, handicapper, podcaster as well. His podcast is called The Simple Handicap. He joins the program now. Good morning, Adam. How are you today?
6: Good morning. I look weird in the sort of video feed here with no background, but there's a... A bit of a life shift going on. We're starting running today. So we've got the office renovation going on, getting a little bit uh, too heavy for the age. So we're trying to correct things before they get too bad.
0: All right. Well, good luck uh, with everything moving forward, obviously. Uh, let's begin with last night's game. Uh, takeaways for you from that game. Uh, it's, it feels like Seattle really let that game get away for like their win total, which I bet at over eight and a half. Uh, I'm scared to death now that gonna be, that's going to be a loser. But also their playoff chances. And how do you... I mean, the defense was a no-show, but Geno maybe played the best game of his life, at him.
6: He really did. And it was against a defense that he historically really has struggled with. Uh, his splits, man versus zone, the most significant in the league. 3.5 yards per attempt against man, 8.5 against zone. That's the biggest discrepancy. And the Cowboys play the most man in the NFL. And he looked really good, and he looked really comfortable. And there was a sort of emphasis on the offense. For the seahawks where pete carroll was calling out shane waldron following the loss on thanksgiving he's saying we want the ball out quicker we want gino throwing it more uh not sitting in the pocket holding on to it gino has one of the longest times to throw in the nfl through 12 weeks he was getting the ball out really fast last night and it looked really good and that was a game where the market disagreed with the seahawks having a chance in it it opened seven got as high as nine and a half And there really wasn't any buyback until we got to 10. And it was kind of the peak for the Cowboys relative to where we have seen them priced the last couple of weeks. That was a big step up. And Seattle really exceeded expectations until they squander it late, obviously. And so now I'm not sure what to make of them going forward because I saw two things. One was that defense was laboring at times. And everyone's healthy. Everybody's out there. And they just couldn't compete at times with Dallas uh, in the game. We had linebackers getting matched up with wide receivers. They just consistently found themselves in mismatches. They now have two more really difficult games in a row that they have to follow this up with. If you end up dropping those two, all of a sudden this team that looked dead set for the playoffs all of a sudden is on the outside looking in. Uh, So two massive games coming up for the Seahawks. Big question on whether or not they can replicate that offensive performance, but defensive issues in a big way for them right now.
3: How about Dak MVP and is Dallas dangerous in January?
6: I, I'm I'm torn on MVP. I have been for weeks. I see Hertz at the top this morning. He's around plus one sixty-five. A lot obviously depends on this week. Um, The the big talking point right now is Purdy's too long. He's sitting at 13 to one. What I'm kind of curious looking at this is if the anticipation is that the 49ers win, where does Christian McCaffrey end up falling in with this? And I know his season won't look like the 2012 season for Peterson. Adrian Peterson had like 2,300 yards from scrimmage. uh, But McCaffrey's leading the league in touchdowns. I think he's going to pile up six or seven more the rest of the season. It's going to get him into the low twenties potentially. And I, I, I never want to call for the non QB winning, but that's, that's an interesting split between him and Purdy and how voters are going Mm -hmm. to look at that because just, just watching and reading and getting a sense of everything outside of the people really pushing and making the case for Purdy. McCaffrey's getting a whole lot more attention within this team than I think Purdy is getting. And I wonder how that ends up impacting voters. And so um, I, I really don't think Hertz should be the front runner. Ah, Dax, Dax a the tough one, tough one to get there, despite how he has been playing in terms of Dallas in the postseason. This is the one offense that's clicking and you see it look unstoppable at home and it's working out so well. But when, when I watch like a great Chiefs offense, when I watch the Eagles full go, when I see the Ravens fully clicking, like the Cowboys are a team that I, I feel like McCarthy's getting every decision right at the moment and everything's going his way and everything's working and it looks really good. I wonder when it's really tested if he's going to make all the right decisions, because that's really the big doubt around this Cowboys team, just from people that I speak with. And so I, I think McCarthy's getting everything right. And I just wonder how long that streak can continue, especially <laughs> if we get into the postseason. Yeah.
3: Uh, take it away. Your, your thoughts on the card this week and, and some of the spreads and maybe mm-hmm. that some of these teams, the, the way they're headed could be worse than what we think.
6: I wish I had a way to sort of accurately look at numbers around this. It's really hard to sort of classify going back in prior seasons where teams were sitting, who was potentially in or out. But we have this group of teams that we know are not good. I I say teams like New England. I put the Cardinals in there. uh, You put the Washington Commanders, right? These are not playoff teams. These are not good teams. But they're all kind of rated market-wise in the range of like 21 to 28. And they have really low ratings. And we see now, coming off a week last week where it was a ton of favorites, everybody was winning. Now we get into this week and we see some like average teams matched up with these bad teams laying monster numbers. And I think there's a really big divide this week from people looking at it saying, well, we saw what happened last week. All the favorites were covering. There were all these popular teams that they were winning easily, covering everybody was getting paid. Like surely that's gonna revert this week. And then you start to look at these games and if you're just following that mindset and you're looking for it to go the other way, you're probably backing some teams that although they're getting a big price, could be a lot worse than they are. And so like perfect example, New England. This team right now is like 24th, 25th in market ratings. Could they be even worse now that they go to Bailey Zappi? Same thing with the New York Jets. They go to Tim Boyle. It's unthinkable. Could Tim (laughs) Boyle really be significantly worse Uh than Zach Wilson? The Arizona Cardinals now have a ton of skill position player injuries. You look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're getting banged up. You have the Washington Commanders making the defensive change. Like, There's a lot of teams here. That could just end up looking a lot worse than they are. And these numbers that we're seeing now this week that we're saying, how could this team be laying this price? If we fast forward two or three weeks, there's some situations this week where me, we may look back and say, how is this team ever laying this price? It should have been a whole lot more wow. because these teams are actually much worse than we thought they are. So it's a, a really kind of tricky week to navigate in that sense with everything that happened last week. I think weighing so heavily in so many betters minds And just expecting things to switch when in reality, it's a lot of bad teams right now that could be a lot worse.
0: Well, I don't Let me throw another team into the mix here and get your thoughts on it. The Monday night game is it possible. We could be saying that same exact thing about the Bengals in a couple of weeks.
6: Perfect example. So they right now are 24th in market ratings. And a lot of that comes from their defense, which we've seen now just week after week be completely torched by opponents. A lot of them not great either. And so, it's a perfect example. Now with the offense, like how big of the drop is it from burrow to Browning? It sure looks like it's a lot bigger than the five or six points that we've seen. And now like you look at this and based on where these teams closed last week, you're like, there's no way that the Jags can get to eight and a half. But the main way that that could happen is if this Bengals team continues to slide because this defense and that rating that is applied to that defense comes back quite a bit and you have a really bad offense on the other side with Browning, I I mean, we might be looking back. We still haven't seen the Jags play like what I would consider a great offensive output. Jags continue sort of piling wins the next couple weeks. We may look at this and say, how was this not 10, 11, 12 at the time based on the way that the Bengals are going trajectory-wise? So, Mitch, I think you're exactly right that that's another perfect example of that this week.
3: Three minutes left. The big one, the rematch Sunday in the afternoon game. I'm sure the public and all the the public and the talking heads on TV have said it all week. How can the Eagles be home underdogs? It's a bad spot. What do you think of the game?
6: Interesting number. So we're out to three now and it's a three flat. Uh, It was kind of a cheaper three most of the week. And we're really starting to see Niners money continue to pile in. Uh, All the major talking points, the spot for San Francisco, the extra rest, against the Eagles, who had the two big games against the Chiefs and the Bills, 160-plus plays on the field for the defense, all of the revenge, the talking points, the press conferences, everything we hear about San Francisco. To me, that's all priced in at this point, if not then some. I think that is why you're looking at this number and you're saying, well, the Eagles getting three at home, really? A lot of that is contributing to this number being where it is. And so I don't think that that in itself is going to get anybody like a a real edge on this game when you're looking at the number where it is, especially now on a Friday morning. To me, the big thing that you can watch for now and kind of speculate around is the Eagles interior defensive line. There's a chance that both Cox and Davis are going to miss this game. And to me, looking at it, the one big advantage that the Eagles potentially had to exploit was getting pressure from the interior of the D line somewhere where Purdy has really struggled over the last 16, 17 games that he has been in the league for. The Eagles could have really got that going. You take both of those guys out of the equation, that's going to change what they can do. And they're already weak behind at linebacker with Nicole Dean out. Cunningham is now hurt. We know this is a bad Eagles secondary as is. So if that defensive line, that front seven, that strength is all of a sudden missing a couple key guys, that's enormous uh, working against the Eagles. I, I actually think that the total move going up, we saw it now get as high as 48 at some spots. I think that that has been the right move. I think San Francisco is gonna be pretty comfortable offensively, as I anticipate, probably both of those guys missing. And, and on the other side too, I think that this Niners secondary, even with the defensive changes, with Shanahan taking over a little bit more for Wilkes, them dialing back the blitz, I think that this secondary for San Francisco is still exploitable. And so I look at two teams with the biggest weakness, both being in the secondary. I think we could see some points again in this one, especially if the Eagles are behind playing Chase, where they've been a lot quicker and a lot more explosive. So um, I think that total move is right.
0: Excellent analysis. We'll continue one more segment here with Adam Chernoff. Podcast is called The Simple Handicap. He's on X at Adam Chernoff. I want to ask him about deciphering information when you hear coaches speak and what that could help you in Betting in terms of maybe some player props and also the biggest name to look for today on the injury report coming up next.
3: Juice Reel, a free betting intelligence app and a tool that every better needs, links your betting accounts into one app, delivers in-depth analytics on your betting history. At Juice Reel, you have access to the betting history of billions of bets placed by all Juice Reel loot users. This in-depth betting analytics with billions of data points enables you to tail the winning betters and fade the losers. Robo Jackson Mitch, we're talking about Robo Jackson, the AI bot hitting 60% through 100 games download Juice Reel, find out for yourself, download the free app in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store it's free at Juice Reel, Juice R-E-E-L, thanks for coming back, we love you we continue here with Adam Chernoff. Again, get his podcast called The
0: Simple Handicap wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, he does a lot of uh, free content, writes up a lot of content at uh, the Right Angle Sports app as well. Here are, uh, before I mention his name, Adam, the targets by game going back at wide receiver. Targets. 16, 16, 14, 9, 10, 9, 11. There was a 5 in there, but then a 20, a 10, and a 9 so far in the season. That's Keenan Allen who is Mm. by far and away the number one, the number two, and the number three option in the passing game for the Chargers. It's the guy who Herbert looks to almost every single time he drops back to pass. We don't know if he's going to play or not this week. It's a very key injury report that pops today. Take us through this if he does or if he does not play and what it means.
6: Okay, well, to add on to the targets there, Mitch, we have Mike Williams on IR and then Josh Palmer's hurt as well. So those two guys don't count towards this. He has... Dean and Allen more receiving yards than every other receiver on the roster combined. Oh that boy. includes tight ends as well. When you take away wow. the two guys that are on IR. So he is the entire offense. People love Austin Eckler because of his ties to fantasy because of how he promotes the game. I get it. He is running like Eddie Lacey. That is a a, 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 just a guy that is slowing down. He's looking rough. That is not the same Austin Eckler that we are used to. And we have seen defenses scheme against him in the past game, and outside of just massive blown coverages where the Chargers time it right, Austin Eckler is not a viable number one passing option in that in any game. And so, you take Keenan Allen potentially out of this game against the Pats, and you're looking at the Chargers laying a very big number with no main offensive weapon at all. Uh, this is a very, very limited Chargers team. So that injury report today absolutely massive i don't think he'll officially be ruled out today that'll probably come later in the week but you'll get a good insight of it because he hasn't practiced yet this week
0: all right adam take us through this uh, buccaneers panthers handicap with tampa bay lane five and a half the way it appears um at most spots total is 37 and then you're great at watching listening paying attention to press conferences and coaches when they speak what are some of your tips for the audience there and deciphering what coaches are saying and when they're saying it in a response uh, as a response or when they're bringing it up on their own.
6: Yeah. Really easy tip that anyone can benefit from it. Simply provoked versus unprovoked responses. An example of a provoked response. This is 90 90- five plus percent of every coach comment you see retweeted on Twitter. A coach is at a podium or a coordinator, and he is asked about a player specifically. Hey, Kyle Shanahan, uh, are you planning to get Christian McCaffrey more involved after a quiet game? Well, of course, Kyle Shanahan is going to say yes. He wants McCaffrey involved because it's a star player. He was asked about him. He's not going to say, nah, we're going to move away from him publicly. That's never going to happen. And so, so that's a perfect example of provoke. Unprovoked would be when a coach is being asked a question and he mentions a player without being asked about that player specifically. Smith and Jigba last night, perfect example. Pete Carroll was talking about how the team needed to be better on third down, paused, went into a rant about Smith and Jigba and how great he's been on third down and he needs to get him the ball more. What do we see? Smith and Jigba, a ton of third down targets when the game mattered most. That's a good example of unprovoked. In the Panthers Buccaneers game. We have an amazing example of an unprovoked response from a coach, an offensive coordinator, and an owner on this. And so Frank Reich was fired. It's an offensive reset, motivational reset for the Panthers that they desperately need. It's not going to be a great team, but we are going to see offensive changes. David Tepper, the owner of the team, has a history of middling within offenses for teams that he is been the over owner of in the past there was a story about how he went down a year ago because he saw the browns run a play in another game he handed a cue card to the coach and said i want this play run in the game coming up just random he's a bit of a control freak from an ownership standpoint this week he was in an interview and there was comments that came out about it from insiders for the panthers who said tepper wanted more rpos because he felt that it fit bryce Young's style of play and since that comment has kind of been made public, we've heard Chris Tabor, the new head coach who has survived multiple regimes with the Panthers, come in and say, "Is kind of emphasis on RPO here. We want to get that going. We heard Thomas Brown, who's taking play calling duties back, hint at getting the RPO going. We've seen players kind of mention not directly to that to sort of protect Frank Reich, saying that, like, this is something that the team has wanted to do. All of that said and based on the history of this owner and where this is going with this offense changing and now the coach and the offensive coordinator kind of hanging around for their job and trying to earn a spot next year can almost guarantee that they're going to listen to what the owner says and we're going to see RPO usage go up a little bit. So the Panthers have been 16th in that regard so far this season. I think we see a few more opportunities against the Bucs. I like Bryce Young rushing yards over 10 and a half because of that. But on the side with all the offensive reset, motivational changes, the Bucks having Godwin re-aggravate his neck, Baker Mayfield not 100%. Right. If you're looking at the Panthers plus five and a half this morning, that's another good bet that I like that you can take. I think it closes four or four and a half as injury news mm-hmm. comes through. So a prop and a side there uh, for a pick from me.
3: How about the Steeler game?
6: lots of injuries for the cardinals trey mcbride Marquise brown Um, you're also looking at michael wilson wide receiver he's missing two i think brown will play i think the other two are going to miss i think this is a spot again we talked about those bad teams potentially looking a lot worse cardinals got the big offensive uptick with murray when he came back but there just hasn't been a lot of offensive output to match it and so i think the cardinals are a little bit overrated within the market And last week, the Steelers off the offensive reset of their own with Canada out, 425 yards, but only 16 points. And so big offensive output, points didn't match it, but it was very promising to see how they got the run game going, how they finally targeted the middle of the field. And now they get a very easy defensive matchup against the Cardinals who are down some key pieces on that side of the ball as well. I think the Steelers are the side here, minus five and a half. But I also like the over at 41-2, so a side and a total
3: for this game. What do you think Sunday night, Chiefs at Lambeau? Surprised
6: to see it come down, honestly. Uh, We had discussions internally. We are going back and forth on the game, usually a lot of Chiefs support internally. uh, And there was sort of a reluctance at 7, just anticipation that this might come down. i I like the Chiefs here at 5.5. I still like them at 6. And I think the Packers are just getting too much – sort of credit for their offensive uptick the last couple of weeks. They've played a Chargers defense that's really bad. They've played a Lions defense that's incredibly overrated. They played a really bad Rams defense. And the Lions went and made a big shift last week. They're a team that plays about 20% man coverage rate. It's one of the lowest numbers in the league. They switched and tried to play man at a 60% rate against the Packers. Why did they do it? Post game, they said that they sort of saw love as being an inaccurate quarterback. They wanted to test these wide receivers and it didn't work quite frankly. And it didn't work because the lions are not a man coverage team. They don't have those guys on the defensive side of the ball that can play that well. The chiefs absolutely do. Not only are they one of the highest man usage rate teams in the NFL, but they're also very good at doing it. A top three defense. And so this is a big step up for Jordan love and this offense looks like they will be without Aaron Jones again, Looks like Jalen Reed is banged up as well. He's uncertain to go. I just, I don't buy this Packers offensive uptick. And for me, with the the game that Pacheco can have here, running the ball and the balance, that'll give the Chiefs offense. Um, I like the Chiefs here, minus five and a half, but I would play them at six as well.
3: If DTR isn't cleared, what do you expect out of Flacco?
6: I think he'll be serviceable. I mean, it can't get worse than P.J. Walker. DTR wasn't a whole lot better. I don't think Flacco's going to change the team and change the season, but it's a veteran presence that if they go to him because DTR does not clear protocol, they want it just because he's going to avoid those backbreaking mistakes that we've seen from Walker and DTR. And so I think that this number will come down a little bit further. I think it'll close a flat three. Uh, the price earlier in the week on this one was crazy, but I think it's it's definitely a little bit of an uptick. For the Browns, some of that realized, but uh, certainly an upgrade for Cleveland over DTR or Walker.
3: 20 seconds. Why the jet money? And the total's 33.
6: <laughs> I, I I, mean, Ritter on the road and a team that hasn't led or won by margin all season is the simple answer. But can I justify it? No, I, I can't believe how bad Tim Boyle looked. And that's yeah. not a high bar to exceed versus Wilson. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> surprises me for sure.
0: Man, awesome stuff as always. Uh, Get his podcast. It's called The Simple Handicap. You can read free NFL content every week with the right angle sports app as well. Follow him on X. He's at Adam Chernoff. Thanks, pal. Best of luck this week.
6: Thanks very much, guys. Enjoy week 13.
0: The analysis there on uh, Bryce Young and the Panthers. Very good. Uh, Win-lose coming up next. And we'll tell you, like the recent history of uh, rematches in college football, it doesn't go very well.